0: Again, our reading is Genesis 12:1 through 4. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him. This is the word of the Lord. Be you may be seated. Again, good morning and welcome to Christ Community Church. My name is Nathan, one of the pastors here. It's good to be with you. And kids, especially, we love having you in here, more of you in here on a holiday weekend. You're always welcome uh, to join in here. We love having kids in here. We can embrace a little chaos. Parents, it's going to be fine. Uh, It's well worth it. We love having children uh, worship together with us. And kids, hopefully you grabbed uh, one of these on your way in. If not, you can sneak out. I'm not gonna mind. Um, go ahead and grab one of those. Also, we, we have these every week, uh, but especially fun this week, we have some bingo. So you're supposed to listen to, for certain keywords or certain images, depending on your age, um, but maybe like silent bingo probably. Probably don't yell out bingo. I mean, whatever, but yeah, just a thought. Okay, well again, welcome, let me, uh, let me pray for us and we'll jump into God's word uh, this morning. Let's pray, Father. We pray that you would speak uh, from your word through your spirit into our hearts. God, for those who are here who uh, know you, God, I pray that you would uh, enrich us to know you better. And for those who don't, God, I pray that you would draw us, draw them to yourself um, by your spirit through your word. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. This is the plan. There's no way this could possibly be enough. I was, uh, I was 12 or 13 at the time. I grew up out in the country, uh, surrounded by forests and fields, and so I, I spent most of my childhood that I can remember either damming up the creek, or the crick, as we used to call it. My wife said I can't call it that anymore. Um, but that's what we did, right? I, little country, and we we'd dam up the crick. Uh, or wandering in the woods, or setting things on fire. <laughs> Kids? Don't okay. Don't do that. Uh, yeah. So I was out one afternoon having a uh, grand time with a, a bunch of old bottle rockets, uh, unsupervised, of course, because I mean it's late 80s, early 90s. You know, my parents had better things to do than be helicopters. Uh, so I was out there, and it was after harvest, and what was left in the field was was really, really dry. I mean, like, like so dry. And when the fire first started, and my first thought, like I remember like it was yesterday, uh, my first thought was, OK, fire and fireworks, like this is going to be a good day, right? I mean, it was like this is exactly what I want to do with my day and all of that, not realizing that the entire field was a powder keg, right? Uh, and so I, like, I start kind of nursing the fire a little bit, um, thinking, you know, maybe I'll get some marshmallows, get some hot dogs. I mean, this is, this is going to be a good day. Of course, it didn't quite work out like I had, had hoped. Uh, 20, 27 years later, like, I could still feel the heat on my brow. And it, it, it never got as bad as, as that, right? That picture. No, it, I don't think it did, but, like, in my mind, like, that is exactly how I remember this going down, okay? Um, and, and I could still think, like, as the fire began to grow, like, quickly spreading. I'm starting to stomp on it now, and I'm, like, kicking dirt and all of this, but I mean, almost immediately realize, okay, I am not in control of this thing, right? Let me, let me give just a little bit of scope, just for, just for fun here. So here, here's the property I grew up on. Uh, the field is just to the south there uh, of the house. Let's zoom out just a little bit. Okay, you can kind of see the field. One, we'll zoom out a little bit more just to get the scope, okay? A little dark, sorry about that. Um, but the burn radius is roughly this, right? or potential burn radius. Uh, And that, I mean, I know that even as a 12-year-old, I'm thinking, okay, uh, this could get really, really bad, really, really, really fast. But I still wasn't ready to tell my parents. (laughs) And so I said to my sister, she's like five, maybe. Rachel, don't tell mom. Sneak into the house and get water, <laughs> and like this, like this is my plan, okay, this is what I think is, is going to work, and so she, she goes in, and I'm still out there, you know, trying to stomp on her, but I'm thinking now, okay, this is fine, right, is not, is, she's going to bring water, it's going to be okay, and when she returns, minutes later, I don't, I have no idea what took her so long, but it was minutes, like with one glance in her direction, like all of my hopes were scorched, like every, like, I knew at that point, like fear was giving way into panic because she, my sister, my baby sister, I will never forgive her for this. Like she, I'm not exact, like she brings me the smallest glass of water you have ever seen, right? I mean, like go through your cabinets, the smallest glass you can find, smaller. Like it's a glorified shot glass. I brought a Dixie cup. I mean, that about, like this is too big to exempt. Like this is what she brings me, right? And so I knew like as soon as I saw, okay, this... This is the plan. There's no way this is enough. And I, and I know, like, like, you've been there, right? I mean, maybe maybe, maybe not like that. Uh, you might not be as much of a, a pyro as I was, uh, or am, I don't know, maybe still am, I don't know. But, like, but you've, you've been in that kind of circumstance before where you look around and you're like, this is the plan? Maybe, like, you look, at, you look at the world, right, and you see poverty and violence, or you look at our nation, and you see division and racism. You look at your life, and you see broken relationships and disappointment. You look inside, and you see selfishness and regret, and you look to God, and it seems as if he hands us the smallest glass of water you could even imagine, when everything around you feels like it's just a raging fire. This is the plan. And the reality is, as we look at this scripture this morning, I mean, it's, kind of, it's kind of a hard word, but in some ways, like if you take one thing with you, I hope it's this. Like God's plan rarely feels like enough, His plan rarely feels like enough. And so here, here we are in Genesis 12. And it finally gets sort of hopeful here, okay? So if if you've been with us, I mean, it started off great, Genesis, right? The garden, the perfect world God made, it's all all wonderful. And then like the last few weeks, like man, it just keeps getting darker, doesn't it? Like if you've missed the last month, here's what you've missed. So our parents, Adam and Eve, they say to God, nah, we're going to do it our way. And then, like, the next story is, like, the first person born, Cain, becomes the first murderer, killing his own brother. After that, like, the world gets even worse, and so there's this cataclysmic flood. And then, then last week, like, we humans come up with this great idea, let's try to build Eden without God, and we name it Johnson County, right, or Babel, I guess, either way. But it's not great, right? I mean, it's clear that, like, the author of Genesis keeps showing, like, the field is on fire, And we want to know, okay, God, what's your plan? Like, you promised to, to do something, right? To not give up on us. So now what? Well, let me read it again. Chapter 12, Genesis verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, "'Go from your country and your kindred "'and your father's house to the land that I will show you. "'And I will make of you a great nation, "'and I will bless you and make your name great "'so that you will be a blessing. "'I will bless those who bless you, "'and him who dishonors you I will curse, "'and in you all the families of the earth "'shall be blessed.'" So Abram went as the Lord had told him. And if you've been a part of these stories in Genesis, like part of you has to be saying, okay, God, really? Really? Like, this, this is the plan. Hey, and, and yet, this is clearly the start of something new in Genesis. Like, this is a pivotal moment. This is God's glimmer of hope for us. In fact, the, the rest of our time in Genesis, all, in, you know, until like the fall, is gonna be centered upon this family. And as we look at this initial text, introducing Abram to us, Abraham, I wanna point out, Five things about God's plan to help us understand God's plan for my life, for yours, God's plan for reality. These five things to give us hope that even when his plan doesn't feel like enough, that he is still enough. Five things. We got our work cut out for us. So number one, God's plan is Small. Like, you just can't miss that from these, these, this early part of Abram's story, Abraham's story. God's plan is small, and so don't, don't let it surprise you when it feels that way in your life, you know? Like, because when, when stuff gets ugly, like, what we want, like, we want all the superheroes to band together, right? To use their incredible powers to defeat all that is evil and make $2.6 billion in the process, right? That's, like, that's what we expect. Like, if we're writing this story, this is what we would do. And we think God's plan ought to look more like the Avengers than an old Middle Eastern shepherd. Strange what God picks, isn't it? And the reality is when God writes the script, he points to this one guy and says, I'm gonna use you to redeem my world. Him? In you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. I mean, think about this. It's like God is saying, Abram, hey, hey, buddy, you and your wife, you can't even have kids, but I'm gonna make a family out of you, a nation out of you, and I'm gonna bless the entire world through you. Now, from our angle in history, okay, we we know a little bit more than even Moses did as he's writing these things, right? And so, I mean, Moses would have known some of this. Like, Abram, we know he becomes Abraham, okay? So that's, that's something, right? And, and we also know that Abraham would become the father of the Israelites, the focus of the Old Testament, right? And a little bit after that, like, one of his descendants, maybe you've heard of him, is Jesus. And so it's all, it's all headed in that direction, and yet, like, why start here, God? so small, I think it's because that's what God does. Sort of like when Jesus compares the kingdom of God to a mustard seed, or or like when you feel everything in your life falling apart and God's encouragement to you is, well, pray about it, right? Or you, you wanna make a difference in the world but no one ever even sees the way that you serve. I want something bigger. We want something bigger. That's rarely the way God works. Don't let it surprise you. God's plan is often small. And second, it's slow. I mean, do you know how long it's gonna take for this barren couple to become a nation? I mean, it'll be 25 years before we even get to meet their one child of promise, Isaac. 25 years from this moment. At the end of Genesis, when we get there, 286 years will have passed from this story here, and his descendants will be little more than a dysfunctional family reunion, Jerry Springer style. It's not great at the end of Genesis, right? And that's just in Genesis. Like, after that, they're, like, they're off to Egypt for 400 years of slavery. It'll, it'll be 2,000 years before Jesus comes. And you and I, we are 2,000 years since then, right? So think about that. Abraham, he, he hears these incredible promises, a family, a land, a blessing, and he dies with basically none of that. And I give up after praying for three days, right? I, mean, I get so impatient with God, don't you, sometimes? I mean, even, like where is Jesus already, right? So when, you, when is he coming back? It feels, like it's, it feels like he's late, doesn't it? But then I, I, look at, I look at Abraham's story, like in the story of the scriptures, and like it, this is God's timeline. This is how he works. Patience is a necessary part of faith. And for some of you, you have been waiting for a long time. For a friend, a spouse, a child. For the pain to go away, for happiness to finally come, for, for a job, or, or just the end of a struggle, right? And, and I know, like, when, when we wait, when I wait, here's where I tend to go. To, go two places. First, first I doubt myself. So I think, is, did I do something wrong? Like, am I not praying enough? Like, what did I do, right? It's my fault. And then after that, I, I doubt God, right? It's like, well, God, if you, if you love me, if you really understood, right? If you're really there, it's his fault, right? But the reality is, Abraham is the model for faith in the Old Testament. And he dies Waiting for the promises of God. Why would we think we'll be any different? Friends, in those in those desperate moments, when you feel the fire raging and God hands you a Dixie cup, you have to remind yourself what you know is true. God has already proven his love for me on the cross. And he promises to make it right. He never bails on his promises. But man, he works so slowly sometimes, doesn't he? Are we prepared for God's plan to outlive us? God's plan is small, it's slow, and it's scary. Actually terrifying, it's probably more accurate. Look again at verse one. Now the Lord said to Abram, go. Like as if that's not enough, right? Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Okay, so think about, like leave, leave everything you know, Abram. Leave it all behind. Leave your father's house, your community, your family, your comfort, your security. And like in that culture, to, ab- to, to abandon your parents, to abandon your family, like it's not just hard. It's un- unethical, right? It'd be absolutely unheard of for him to do this. Yeah, Abram, leave all that behind. Leave, leave your country, everything that you think you know. You don't, you don't need that anymore. And like Abram, he's like 75 years old at this point. And so his, his retirement plan is a flock of sheep, all of which may not make it through the desert, right? They could get eaten by a mountain lion or, or whatever. Like all of that is at risk for him. Go ahead, Abram, pack it all up. You'll be fine. And go to the land that I will show you. I even love that. It's like, I'm not going to tell you where we're going, uh, but just come and I'll, I'll show you eventually. God, I don't think so right? Like, who here would sign up for that? Wouldn't he be like, yeah, that sounds great, God. Let's do that, right? Here's, here's the deal. Like, here's how I, t- I think we tend to do it. Maybe this is just too much personal confession, but it's like, God, yeah, I'll follow your plan. Sure. Um, as long as you tell me what the plan is and if I like it, right? Yeah, God, i I'll do whatever, whatever you want, whatever you ask, it is yours. Just let me still have my comfortable life and still have my salary uh, and my friends, and don't, you know, don't mess up my kids and you know all of these like. Let me date whoever I want, do whatever I want. Yeah, God, what I mean to say is I'll do whatever you want, just as long as it's what I always wanted to do anyway, right? And we sort of chuckle at that, except that it's, it's kind of how we do it, isn't it? And yet when Jesus calls us. I mean, similar to how God calls Abraham, when Jesus calls us, he tells us to take up our cross, which isn't just a pretty necklace. In fact, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a pastor who was killed for resisting the Nazis during World War II said, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. That's what it looks like to follow after God. It looks a lot like death. God's plan is scary, it feels risky, it just looks crazy. I mean, have you ever had someone look at you or the choices that you make because you're a Christian and wonder if you were insane because, because of the choices you make because of Jesus? If not, are you really following him? I mean, for example, I remember uh, back in seminary, I worked at a bank, uh, and everybody knew I was a seminary student, so occasionally I'd just get asked, you know, fun, random questions. Um, and I remember one coworker asked me, so how much really are Christians supposed to give to the church? Which is such a fun question, right? So fun. And I just said, you know, well, I mean, a good rule of thumb, or, you know, the baseline of our obedience to God is 10%. I'll never forget the look on her face. Like, I was from another planet in that moment. And it's not just the way that we as Christians think about money. Like, even the the way we view our our work. Like, as Christians, our Mondays are about being a blessing to the world. It's not about about a paycheck. It's not about climbing a ladder. It's not even about personal satisfaction. It is about loving your neighbor. And if you believe that, it'll it'll change your work. It'll change our world. And you'll look like you've lost your mind. Or, Or as a family, if you like the priorities you choose as family, if you eat meals together, like if you, if you prioritize family and community over and church over endless activity, if you take a day of rest together, people will think you're a bad parent because you're withholding every opportunity from your children for other things. The reality is God rarely calls us to do what makes sense. He always calls us to be faithful to him. No matter how scary it sounds. Fourth. You can't miss this. Because God's plan is not, it's not ultimately about Abram, is it? It's not even ultimately about you or me or even us. God's plan is outward. It's beyond us. Do you see that? Do you see that here? It's for the sake of those who aren't even here, aren't even a part of that family. Look, what, look again at verse, verse two, right? God's promise to Abram. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great. Why? So that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and in him, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. I mean, there's a subtle promise in those words even here, right, that Jesus is coming, and when he comes... He's going to be for the whole world, regardless of your sort of racial identity or national identity, right? Your ethnicity, any of those things. But it's also, it's also a paradigm of, of how God works, of, of what his plan looks like, that God, when he blesses, he, he blesses us so that we can bless. Like he loves us so that, that we can love, that we ought to see our lives not as an end in and of themselves, but the means by which God has chosen to bless our world. For example, I'm guessing uh, a few of you have had to, or gotten to listen to um, a few graduation speeches in the last little bit here, maybe maybe not this year, but other times, right? And, And like right now, our sort of standard advice to the next generation is do what you love. Find yourself, do you, live your passion which is an entirely self-centered way to live, and ends in either narcissism or defeat, right? It just, it doesn't work, it's terrible advice, right? What we should be saying, and what we as followers of Jesus ought to be leading the way on this, it's not find your passion, it's find your purpose. It's not do you, it's love others. Students, graduating seniors, all of us, how do you plan to be a blessing to the world? This also affects the way we view church, right? And when we gather, it's not a social club, right? It's not just for our own benefit. We're, we are a mission, on a mission. That We don't exist for ourselves, but for our city and world. It's why we multiply. It's, like, it's why we believe in spreading out the church across our city and multiple campuses. It's why we partner with organizations like Mission Southside and Woodland and a, with the global church in Rwanda and elsewhere. It's because God's plan is always outward. And don't miss this last one. God's plan is small, slow, scary, outward. And you. His plan is you. You just can't miss how personal this call is in Abram's life. Look again, verse one, right? It says, now the Lord said to Abram, go. I mean, literally, it's you go, right? Get you out of here, Abram, you. And while it may seem like a glass of water on a raging fire, like think about this, the fact that you are here today, you, is part of God fulfilling his promise to Abram 4,000 years ago. All the families of the earth shall be blessed, not just the Israelites, not just there in that place or that culture or that time period, but you, For through Abraham, right, we have Jesus who's come to nearly every place, nearly every language, regardless of nation or ethnicity, gender or status. Like you are God's promise to Abram fulfilled. And you are the continuation of that promise to the world. So, yeah, it's small, but it's global. It's slow, but it's here today. It's scary, but where else are you gonna find hope like this? It's outward, and yet it made it all the way to you. And you are part of his plan, and his plan for you is good. And if that's true, let me just ask two quick questions as we kind of wrap up here. Two questions, first of all. If this is true, if this is the way God's plan works, and it really is for us, Question number one, will you join him in it? Will you join him? If you're not a Christian, we are really glad you're here. And you, may not, you may not believe this story. I mean, I get that. Um, but I want, I want you to at least hear what we believe. We believe that this is the lengths to which God has gone to find you. That his, his search for you began 4,000 years ago, really even before that, from the foundation of the world, right? But we see it here with, with Abram. And, and, and then 2,000 years ago, that, that God himself, Jesus, came to find you, came here to this earth to die for you, to come back to life for you, to offer a way back to the garden for you. And he has spent the last 2,000 years by his spirit building his church to spread the good news until it finally got here. Today for you. Could it be that the God of heaven is after you? Will you join him? And similarly, if if you are a Christian, do you see your life as a, as a continuation of God's plan to bless the world? That just as he called Abram. He calls you to embody these same promises and to fulfill them out as way, in the ways that we bring redemption to the world around us. I recently started a, a book. I'm just early on in it um, by a pastor named H.B. Charles. And H.B., he, he, uh, I heard him at a conference recently. He first became a pastor at age 17. Um, when I was 17, like, you don't want to know. Probably still burning down fields. Um, actually worse, right? But he, he was a pastor already at age, at age 17. And, and in this book, he, he writes about God's ability to weave our stories into his story, to weave our, our, our ugliness, our, our talents, our successes, the, the pains and heartaches, all of these things our personal stories to fulfill his plan. And listen, listen to what he says. He writes, God can weave the story of your life into his great purpose to spread the gospel, edify the church, and advance the kingdom. God uses weak people. Your story does not trump God's plans. The providence of God, listen to this, the providence of God incorporates your story into God's unfailing purpose for your good and his glory. Your mistakes do not disqualify you. Your your disappointments, heartaches, pains... The things that you wish weren't there. God's plan is you, for you and to use you. So will you join Him? And the second question will you trust Him? Will you trust Him? Even when it feels like a small glass of water on a raging fire, will you trust Him? So I ran in. Eventually, told my mom. All right, my dad was at work. Thank God. Um, actually, my parents are going to be at Second Service later. It's going to be super weird. Um, like, sorry, mom. Uh, yeah. But so I, I ran in, and she came out, and we, you know, we found a couple of old blankets to start, you know, beating down the flames. We got some buckets of water, and uh, you know, eventually, you know, eventually we got it under control, and you know, only burned maybe, you know, you don't even want to know. It was a lot, a lot of field. Um, and I, you know, I accept full responsibility. Uh, for, for that, except like I will never I will never forget that stupid glass, right? Like, that's the plan. And I realize like for some of you, that is exactly where you're at right now. Like like whatever like, whatever it is in your story, your life, the heartache that you experience, like it it feels like God just keeps handing you a Dixie cup. I'm sorry. Please don't mistake your pain for his absence. The reality is, we we see it here and we see it in so many of these stories throughout scripture. God's plan rarely feels like enough. But he just may be doing it, doing more than we can see. And so in the meantime, will he be enough for you? Let me pray. Father, I do especially pray for those who Whatever the circumstances, feel the flames around them. God, I pray that you would comfort them. God, give them peace and hope, even in the midst of what may seem like an impossible war. Be enough for them, would you please, God? And may they find their hope in you. And God, for all of us, God, I I pray that you would Encourage our hearts, strengthen our souls, enliven our minds to be able to see you even in the small things and to trust you in all things. We pray this in Christ's name, amen.